Grace and peace to you all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Martin Luther said, I preach as though Christ was crucified yesterday, rose from the dead today, and is coming back tomorrow. Uh, this is the, the third Sunday of the Advent. And Advent means that it, in Christian uh, the faith, it means that it can represent Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. And I wanted to read a passage for y'all this morning that I believe it ties into the table. And it's Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 1 through verse 7. We read, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you do light, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure this day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old as, and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall, we'll, how shall we return? May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Have you noticed that there was two messengers in that passage? Did you catch there was two? There was one that was to come and prepare the way. And then there was the messenger of the covenant. Of the new covenant. And this directly points to Christ coming Bring in the new covenant, a messenger. This is written in Malachi, 400 years before the birth of Christ. And there's so many things to pull from this passage. When it talks about that he will return suddenly, or he will come suddenly. And then if you look over in Haggai chapter 2, and when it talks about the sudden coming of the Lord, and it references earthquakes and darkness and smoke. You remember what happened when Christ died? There was darkness over the land. There was an earthquake. What else happened? In Haggai, you talk, it talks about the, the coming of the Lord to his temple. When Christ died, he, he went to the temple. And he rendered. He rendered the veil that was covering the Holy of Holies in two. And he himself laid down his sacrifice, his very blood. To be a one sacrifice once and for all. For the whole world and all of its sins. And another thing in this passage that I thought was very interesting. It doesn't hold back the law. It says that God will come and he will judge. But if you notice something as well. And if you know the history of the relationship between the Israelite people and God. They were a mess. These were God's chosen people. And they were unfaithful, and they left him, and they did all these things to, against God's word. And before you started thinking, oh, those, those people, man, they just didn't have it together. 
Yeah, you're, you and I are just like that too. Don't think that we would go in and in Israel's footsteps would do any better than they did. But here's the wonderful thing. The promise still held. The messenger was still promised to come. God keeps his promises. And the same promise that he made to Adam and Eve that their seed would crush the serpent's hill. The same God that promised Abraham that there would be one to come. In spite of the unfaithfulness of the Israelite people. In spite of our unfaithfulness to God. While we were sinners, Christ came anyways. Because it was a promise that God made to us. And there's another interesting end of that passage. Is that when God says in this passage, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? That points directly to a conversation that Jesus had. When he told the rich young ruler to give everything he owned, and he walked away sad, and, uh, and then the, the disciples were like, well, who can come to God? And, or who can be saved? And Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And as the men come forward, you might be sitting here just wondering, you know, am I worthy today? Am I, am, am I able to partake in the table? Am I able to partake in the body and blood of the Lord that's offered to me this morning? Well, see, this is an invitation to sinners. And if you have faith in these words, given and shed for the forgiveness of sins, this is for you this morning. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know, that you never have placed your faith. You've never bet the farm Bet all the blue chips on Jesus Christ and his dying and his living for you. Let that day be today. I pray that that faith is birthed inside of you. And as you choose to follow Christ, come and let us know afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to hear your, uh, what an awesome day today is. We'd love to pray with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What is the benefit in eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not. Just eating and drinking do these things. But the words written here given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the table, because whoever believes these words have exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Who receives the table worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training, but that person is truly worthy and well-prepared for who has faith in these words, given and shed 
for the forgiveness of sins. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to live a life that we needed to live, to die a death that we deserved, and gave all of himself as a gift to us, to count in our place. Thank you, Lord, of this wonderful offering that you give to us. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Jesus, the name above all names. You know, I was uh, in the Taste of Britain this week, last, uh, last week, and the lady said something to me, and I was kind of taken back. She says, how did you manage to get such a beautiful wife as Maggie? <laughs> and I looked at her, and I didn't understand why she would say such a thing to me. And then I've been looking over to Billy McKenzie, and I was thinking the same thing. How did he get such a beautiful wife as Peggy? But then when you remember the voice as he sung, Last week, it must have been the song that she fell in love with, Billy. I really enjoyed you singing. I missed an opportunity. I should have had you sing today. But nevertheless, here we are. I have glasses somewhere. There we go. Praise God. I'm going to get the worship team to come and sing a song. And I want you all to join in with me and sing this song together and prepare your heart to receive the word that the Lord has given me today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give them a big hand as they come. Hallelujah. <clears throat> oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh,
that we come together and we adore the Lord and we thank him for all that he's done for us. The gift that keeps on giving is the title of my message this morning. The gift that keeps on giving. With all the hustle and bustle, let's not get away from the true meaning of Christmas. When God sent his son to be born in a stable, and I was thinking about it yesterday, here I was working in a stable. And uh, as I was working there, I thought of the Lord because I knew what I was coming up with today. And I thought of how he was, could have been born in a place like that. I know that Dr. Crudgington and Catherine, Melissa, these nurses that uh, give birth to babies wouldn't like to, to have that job in a stable. You've got all the smells and all the stuff that goes on in there. It's shown picturesque, but you can imagine how it really was. Uh, in those days. So uh, it's not a place that we would choose for the birth of a baby, any baby, but here was the king of kings in a stable, lying in a manger. God's gift to mankind. Who's mankind? That's us. It's his gift to us to give of his son to be born in a stable. And his name is called Jesus. Have you ever wondered where the tradition of giving and receiving gifts come from? Let me tell you, it's not from St. Nick. It started over 2,000 years ago in a stable when the wise men followed a star, his star, that led them to Jesus. If we read in Luke 2, verse 1 through 10, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have to come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Ju Judah, sorry, Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, who will, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. He had no intentions, King Herod, at all of going to worship him. He wanted to go and, and to kill Jesus. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star had see, that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
I know that God will add a, a blessing to the reading of his word. God's gift to mankind. God's gift to us is Jesus. Notice the first thing that the wise men did was to bow down and worship him. Then they opened the gifts and presented them to him. What was the meaning of this, these gifts? You might think, well, it's a strange type of gift for someone to bring to a baby. But these gifts all had a meaning. It might seem strange to us, but they were very significant. It's a big word for me to say. Significant. Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Thank you, Gail, for your sense of humor. Frankincense was a perfume used in the Jewish worship, and as a gift, it showed people that they would worship Jesus. Gold was associated with the kings, and Christians believe that Jesus is the king of kings. Myrrh was a perfume that was put on dead bodies to make them smell nice, and as a gift, it showed that Jesus would suffer and die it was a type of burial oil. All of these gifts had significant meanings, as were foretold in the Old Testament. That's where it all started. We can blame the wise men for starting a trend that has exploded over the years. The focus has been taken off of Jesus, the real meaning of Christmas, the hustle and the bustle. The buy-in and the giving of Christ, the big man with the red suit, and all that comes, uh, fills up the, the lens, fills up the camera, fills up the picture. The man with the red suit and the white beard. You know, I remember when Elizabeth, my granddaughter, she was three or four, and we're used to having a lot of people around the table. Maggie's a very gracious hostess and uh, does a good job. And when she was three or four, we'd set the table, and Maggie'd set an extra place at the table. And when she re realized that she'd set an extra place at the table, she went to go and to move it and put it back in the, the knife and fork back in the drawer because it would fill up the dishwasher. So she went to move it and Elizabeth says, please leave it. That's for Jesus. He's here with us at four, three or four years old. Out of the mouths of babes. That's why we should realize he's with us He's with us all the time. He's there in our darkest hour, in the midnight watches, through the night, when we're tossing and turning. I was telling Sam Baylor today, when I have to speak on a Sunday, I don't sleep Saturday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Well, I'll get asleep this afternoon. But uh, just simple childlike faith, so powerful. Listen to me, if we could only just grasp it, the realization of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. What a revelation that would be. Do you notice you don't see a whole lot of manger scenes as you drive around in, in the different neighborhoods now anymore? There's more like the, the big man with the red suit and, and the lights. Uh, we have a manger scene out here uh, at the church. And uh, in our neighborhood in Duluth or Peachtree Corners where we live, there's actually one house. It's just lighted up and it's got lights everywhere. And every year, he seems to gather more lights, and it's of everything. A to Z, it's everything is covered in these lights. But when you come down our street, as you come down around the corner, the first thing that you'll see is you're coming around the corner, lit up in bright lights, 
There's a scene that you see outside there with joy. J-O-Y, joy. Named after you, joy. Joy. And the scene inside the O is Jesus and Mary and Joseph in a manger. That's in the O. And that's lighted up in bright lights. So there's no misconception of what it could be. It tells you Jesus brings joy. And it tells of where the true meaning of Christmas came from. And as you're coming back up the other side of the street, here you see a manger scene with a donkey and sheep and lambs and, and Jesus and, and Joseph and Mary in the scene in a stable. And it's all lighted up in bright lights. And then at the front of the house, there's a manger scene that Sam Baylor puts up for Maggie every year. He doesn't let nobody touch it. He puts up this like stable and there's, there's little statues of Jesus and, 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 and uh, Mary and uh, Joseph. And here's a manger scene there, and it's lit up. And then off to the left, here's another one of a manger scene that you'll see in the corner here as you come up, and it says, believe. It's sharing with the people that we're sharing. We're letting our lights shine in our neighborhood. This is what we believe in. This is what it's all about for us. Now, listen, I like the big heavy chap. Where is he? Saying, saying nothing. I like the, the, the big chap with the beard, the white beard and the red suit and everything. I, I like all that. I'm nothing against that. But you know, the true meaning, that we haven't to lose sight of the true meaning of this season. We have to remember that Jesus, our Savior, the ultimate gift that keeps on giving. We have four manger scenes, spotlights on them, and the meaning of Christmas. Last year, a neighbor came up to me and came to the door, and he says, I just want to thank you for shining your light to the world. That's what one of the neighbors said. I never met him again. I don't know if it was an angel. It might have been an angel, or he might have lived down the street, but he was a neighbor. And he came and he thanked me for, for letting our light shine. I encourage you today, if you take something from it, let us let our light shine. And it doesn't have to be in a manger scene. It can be the way that we behave ourselves, how we uh, handle ourselves in restaurants, how we handle ourselves in the public eye, how we handle ourselves in the, in the uh, uh, highway. I've had, I've had times in my early years, not now, Sergeant Dickens, there's somebody waiting outside the door for you. <laughs> no, I'm only teasing. But uh, that, you know, you wouldn't behave properly because you, you go at the, at the heat of the moment or the spot of the moment. But I encourage you as a Christian, if you, especially if you've got a little fish in the back or some kind of saying, saying I go to Family Life Church or something like that, we, we should believe what we're proclaiming. We should do that and we should act like it. It's a lifestyle. In Galatians 6, verse 7 through 10, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whosoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in well-doing. I'll tell you what. I've had to have that one speak to me a few times. When you begin to get weary sometimes in well-doing, but then when you realize exactly what you are doing and who you're doing it for, it gives you a little burst, a little poke 
in the right place to encourage you to keep going on. Let us not become weary. You listen to me, Billy. Don't come weary and well in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We have to keep going. Don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, this is what the Bible says, let us do good to all people. All right? And if I was to stop it there, that's good. But then it goes on to say, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, to the household of faith. The meaning of especially means over all others. We have to remember those of the household of faith. Now, don't go out there and say, Pastor D says only to give to Christians. That's not what I'm saying. We have to be good to all men and all women. And we have to let our light shine before all. But it then tells us in the word there, at the end of that verse, it says, especially to those who are of the whole, the, the household of faith, to above all others. I had an email ready to go out, but I'm just going to read it to you. But just before I read it to you, I would like to tell you that for about 45 years, I served Maggie's dad, Pastor John, in service uh, over in Scotland, also when we come over here to Norcross, and also uh, here, where I became the senior pastor. At that time, um, when I first started on the road, I could hardly put two sentences together. But you know, I learned a lot in the 45 years, and that's why it's important for you and I to attach ourselves to to people of faith who will help you and encourage you. And by the way they live, and by the way he lived, he was an example to me. I learned a lot from him and from his ministry. You know what he did have, I would say, more than anything else? He had his faults. That's not that he had more than anything else, but he had faults like anybody else. But he did have a thankful heart. And I saw from that thankful heart that he had uh, that as an example for me to live my life, to go walking, you grandfathers, you fathers, you mothers, your children are looking to you as an example. When, when you don't think they're even looking at you, they're looking at you. They're paying attention to you. They're, they're seeing how you react in different situations. Over the years, I've seen Pastor John handle things in many different ways. But overall, he shared with me or uh, on seeing what he did, to have a, a, a giving spirit. He was a giver. I remember we had a big horse box, like a furniture van, like a two men and their boys. What is it they call them again? They're moving boxes, tr uh, trucks? Two men in a truck. You see them, big box. And he would send me into our local town with this horse box, as we called it, uh, filled with potatoes and eggs and all the chickens and all different things. You have no idea. And I would go to the strangest places, and it was for all the seniors in our town, not just Christians in their church, but the seniors in our town. And I would get the wonderful pleasure of giving them potatoes, a sack of potatoes or chickens or eggs or whatever. And I had that privilege. And that instilled something in me that I really enjoy doing. I, I love to be a giver. And you can never, ever outgive God. Just remember that. Don't be greedy or grinch. But be a giver, because God has blessed you, and he will bless you. You can never outgive him. 
Also, I remember when we had, uh, I think it was uh, 13 or 12 Filipinos, missionaries that came into our hometown. And coming from the, uh, the Philippines and then coming to our hometown, uh, it was a day like today. This is the summer, like, you know, the rain and the misery and the cold, really cold. And they weren't dressed. They didn't have the clothes that they needed. And I remember him sending me into town. He says, now get them coats, the girl, there was girls and boys, coats, gloves, a scarf, boots, and a hat. So I says, okay, I was driving them. At that time, I was in the army, but I was, the army was paying me to drive them about, believe it or not. God moves in mysterious ways. I'd had a car accident, and I was off, uh, off, uh, off post, and I was on leave, sick leave. And I drove, into, and I, before I went, I says, well, but how am I going to pay for this stuff? Because here I was, I didn't have nothing, two pennies to rub together. How am I going to pay for this stuff? He says, just mention the name. You see, he had a name in the town. And all you could do is to mention his name, uh, John Cameron's going to take care of it. And it was all taken care of. And I remember the smiles on the girls' faces as I got these new coats and boots and all the stuff. But that's what I learned. That was just part of it. That's nothing over the 45 years. But I learned that, and that was instilled in me. And I pray that we will learn from one another how to react and how to be of a, of a giving spirit and a good, a good heart. I wrote this, this uh, email, or I got this email, and it goes like this. I'll just read it to you. At Christmas time, listen to the words very carefully. Our church family, that's you all, has always been extremely generous. You all have been extremely generous and has gone over and above to help meet the needs for many in the community and all over the world. It is one of the times as the pastor of this church that my heart bursts with pride when I see what we can do as a small church to help others. It just makes you feel so good. And it's not me that's doing it. It's you all that's doing it. It's the people. It's the church. However, it's been brought to my attention that this year has been an especially difficult year for a lot of our church family. And we have many needs within our own fellowship. It's been laid in my heart to try to help some of those needs. If you are one of those people or families that need a little extra boost, this Christmas season, I would like you to write a little note with what your need is and give it to me or put it in the God can at the back. Remember, we can't help if we don't know what the need is. If you feel led to partner with me to help meet some of these needs, let me know. In addition to that, the next couple of weeks, we will use the basket dollar offering that Joy has and she looks after so wonderfully, does a fantastic job, keeps it all separate. Amen. Give them credit where it's due. Uh, anything that comes into that, these baskets will be used to help the people that are in need. Uh, we've used a dollar offering to help needs many other times. In addition, the needs within our church family, we have adopted a few children on the giving tree at the back that were affected by Hurricane Michael and are in desperate need. We have angels hung on the tree in the back that you can sign up to help. 
please don't take an angel without letting Bonnie or Melissa know so they can keep track that all the needs will be met. All items for your angel child need to be delivered back to church no later than next Sunday morning. I appreciate all your giving hearts more than you know, and I do feel truly blessed to be pastor of such a loving and generous church. And with that, I say thank you. So I want you to know that this year we have different projects going on. Carol must be sick today. She's not here. But uh, we're going to be helping with the uh, homeless in Gainesville, uh, also the needs in the giving tree. And also, I'd really appreciate, now I want you to look at me now. If you've got a need, it's not going to be forecast or broadcast from the rooftops. If you've got a need, write me a little note, and we will endeavor to help you in whatever way we can. I've also got a missionary that I would, I would like to help a little bit too this year. So um, I know that God will just bless you as you give. Uh, if you want to help me with that, uh, a specific need for a child or something like that, or for a single mother or for a widow, or you let me know, and uh, I'll let you know what your funds have been put towards. So I pray that you understand from the scripture that we've given the meaning of Christmas, what it's truly all about. It's not about us giving and getting presents. It's about Jesus and us being true Christians and living and walking in the faith that God has called us to do. We have a wonderful Savior, and he's given to us a thankful and a grateful heart. And I pray that we all will continue in the work that the Lord has called us to do. This Christmas season, let's just open up our hearts and receive the blessing that God has given us. If you've never accepted him into your life, you can do it today. That's the greatest gift you can give yourself, is asking him to come into your heart, into your life. He'll turn your life around. There is no satisfaction, listen, from a man of experience, there's no satisfaction in big houses, and I have a big house. There's no satisfaction in that. There's no satisfaction in fast cars. I've driven some of the fastest cars that you can get, the biggest cars, the more comfortable cars, and there's no satisfaction that can be had from that. There's no satisfaction that this world can offer you and I than to have Jesus in our hearts and our lives. And I encourage you not to just say you're a Christian, but you to have a relationship with Jesus that when you're on your own time, no matter how old you are or how young you are, you can have that relationship with Jesus Christ. I thank you for being here today, and I'm going to pray this morning with the team come forward. I'm grateful for you all and the ministry that you've given to the church. I would like for us to pray together today as a church. Just let's all stand. Would the prayer team come forward here with me? And if you've got a special need in your life and you'd like to pray, us to pray for it, we will. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart and life, we'd love to pray with you right now. If you feel that you're walking on a wall and you don't realize that you're walking away from the Lord, I encourage you to, to rededicate your life this morning and give your life back to him. And let him move through you and in you. In Jesus' name.
I'm thankful for our Swati police for coming here to be with us. I'm grateful for all these men that, and women that put their lives on the line from us, for us, for our safety. I'm grateful for our troops that are finding themselves away from home at this time, some in our southern border, some in Afghanistan, some in Iraq, wherever they are. I just pray that the, your, the Lord's hand of protection will be upon each and every one of them. What a sacrifice they've made.